we've been doing a Bible study on what is the law looking at the law of God and how it's passed how even though what not one jot or tittle will pass away the law of God remains in effect even today yet we are not keepers of the law as the Jewish folks would understand being a keeper of the law so the law being fulfilled and the weakness of the law being the weakness of the flesh so we looked at the weaknesses of the flesh last week and now we're look, going to look at a dual legal system that we're actually operating under two different systems and we find that in Romans chapter 8 if we take a quick look there where for it says for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death so there's two laws here that are contrasted the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in it was weak through the flesh God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh so what the law could not do because of the weakness of our flesh which was to make us perfect before God. So there's a dual system here, a dual legal system. And so what I want to do is take a little study on that and look at how a legal system impacts us. Because here in the United States, there are, uh, well, just for example, law enforcement. There are city police, there are county sheriffs, there are the state troopers, and there are there's the FBI and in certain areas so for example out on the state highways there's the state patrol where the state troopers have uh, their jurisdiction and sometimes there are overlapping jurisdictions where you may find a, a state trooper a, a city police officer and a, a, a county sheriff or uh, having jurisdiction over a certain area and of course the FBI the federal police uh, if you like have jurisdiction over all of the United States and so there are certain legal systems that are also in effect so there's the state laws there are city laws there are county laws and of course there are federal laws and all of those laws interact together and we look at the place of judgment and uh, let me tell you a story about the wham uh, robbery so uh, it was a very interesting robbery there was a paymaster being escorted by buffalo soldiers which were uh, african-american soldiers who were recruited into the army after the civil war and in 1889 a paymaster was traveling escorted by these soldiers and they were ambushed by a gang who wounded the soldiers or several of the soldiers took the gold and silver that was the payroll for the army and uh, left now the gang of robbers was identified by the soldiers but the trial took place in uh well a 
county that was full of Confederate sympathizers and there were witnesses found for the alibis so even though the soldiers uh, gave testimony that these particular gentlemen had robbed them because of the alibis after a very short suspiciously short deliberation according to the historical records they were all found not guilty and Wilfred T Webb was one of the accused in fact his father was suspected of being the ringleader of the raid and later in his life he became the owner of a bank he became a politician of high standing in Arizona he was actually sent with the presidential vote tally to Washington so a trusted community leader and he had an answer for anyone who asked him if he was involved in the robbery his reply was 12 good men said that I wasn't and so that's interesting he never said that he was involved and he never said that he wasn't involved he made his appeal and said before a jury of my peers I was found innocent the law found me innocent you can't accuse me of anything and there are interesting cases that we could mention where people have used legal technicalities to escape a rightful sentence it seems if you've got enough money to pay for a good enough lawyer uh, you can get away with murder now everything in this world is a perversion of a truth uh, that God has and so what's the truth that we're talking about here the truth we're talking about here is found in Romans chapter 8 and a little further down in the chapter So verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, is that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And so there's a, maybe a glimpse that we can have into how mad the devil must be, because from the beginning the whole system has been rigged against him. The devil's goal is to ruin the plan of God. He knew what the law of God said. For example, the soul that sins shall die if you eat of the tree that day you eat, that day you will surely die. And he got them to eat and waited for them to die. But it's God that justifieth. It's God that says, I will make a way. And God is a good lawyer. Can't you see the facts? Screams the devil. 
they broke your law you need to judge them according to your law but legal facts in our system are an interesting uh, thing the question of fact is decided not by a judge but is decided by a jury it's resolved by a trier of facts weighing the strength of the evidence and the credibility of the witnesses now a question of law is always decided by a judge so we'll take for example if there's a a robbery and you have four or five different witnesses and one would say the tall man and the other said the medium height man and the other said it was a man with a mask and it was a gun and it was a knife it's up to the jury to decide what the facts of the case were when the accused is brought before them whether the accused has sufficient grounds to say it wasn't me has a good alibi whether or not these things actually happened the way the accusing lawyer says it or the way the defensive lawyer says it now the once the facts have been established by the jury the judge talks about the issues of law or passes down the judgment but the jury decides what are the facts and so when the devil stands before god and accuses you of certain things well does he have the evidence and the credibility of a good witness a witness in good standing before god well let's turn to john chapter 8 to get an answer for that question and see how god looks at the devil and the things that the devil says so this is one of the famous uh, phrases or uh, arguments between the pharisees the jews and jesus and he's telling them the truth and they can't believe it and so in verse uh verse 42 jesus speaks to them and says if god were your father you would love me for i proceeded forth and came from god neither came i of myself but he sent me why do you not understand my speech even because you cannot hear my word ye are of your father the devil and the lusts of your father will you do he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him when he speaketh a lie he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father it all so there's a, an account of the credibility of the devil before god that he is a liar and the father of it all even under the law of the old testament the devil has no credibility as a witness under the law of the old testament the saints of god had a legal recourse to this convenient changing of the facts that it though i'm guilty i can be forgiven let's look at david one of the men after god's own heart one of the great authors of the bible in psalm 32 says blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered blessed is the man unto the lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile 
When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into drought of summer, Selah. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sins. Selah. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in times when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance, Selah. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse, or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with a bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. I listened to a presentation by a lawyer and a police officer talking to some business people about what to do when you stop by the police. And the lawyer said the Miranda rights, the right uh, which appears in the movies when the police arrest you and they say, uh, you have the right to remain silent and anything that you do say can be taken down and used against you in a court of law. And the lawyer made a few interesting points. He said, anything you say can be used against you but it cannot be used in your defense it cannot exonerate you in the eyes of the law and the police officer confirmed this and said one of the things they do is just start talking and as people talk they have a tendency to share things that may find them guilty in the sight of the law and so the advice of both the police officer and of the lawyer was don't say anything until you let your lawyer speak on your behalf and that's a really interesting lesson here especially as we're reading the psalm where we say David speaks to God acknowledges his sin before God confesses his transgressions unto the Lord and the Lord says unto him I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go I will guide thee with mine eye and so there's a client lawyer privilege where the client can speak to the lawyer in confidence without having to worry that what he says will be used against him and the lawyer and they say a good lawyer the first thing he does is tell his client don't say anything let the lawyer speak on your behalf and we're in that situation as well when the facts come out what should we do we should only say what our lawyer our representative, our advocate in heaven, tells us to say. There's a very fascinating scripture that says, uh, I will send you the comforter. And that word in the Bible, the comforter, is also translated as the advocate. I will send you your advocate. What's an advocate? A lawyer, someone who speaks on your behalf in front of people. So when Jesus said, I will send you the comforter, he says, I will send you the advocate. I will send you a lawyer who will speak on your behalf. Listen to him, take heed to what he's saying, just say the things that he tells you to say, because 
when the accusation comes, don't speak on your own behalf. Speak to your lawyer and let your lawyer speak on your behalf. And that's a really wonderful thing because the lawyer is going to tell us how to be a credible witness in the eyes of God. Now, this is a reality in the Old Testament, but it's even more of a reality in the New Testament when true legal atonement was made. Now, not just the facts are on our side, but the law is on our side too because the law delivers us the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. As it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto him, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So, where does the devil stand? He has no standing, but he does have another tactic. Think back to Mr. Webb. Very successful career. Why? Because he took constant refuge in the legal rights given to him. Twelve men declared me innocent. You can't touch me because I never even did it in the eyes of the law. You can't make an accusation stick. But what if he'd said, well, yeah, we did rob the bank, but we definitely got away with it. We did rob the bank and they, or the payroll and they did see us, uh, but now I've decided to start the bank. And uh, how would that have affected him? People would have said, well, you're a robber from the beginning. You were a robber when you robbed the, uh, the, the payroll. How can I have confidence in you now? I'm a politician. I'm going to stand for election. Oh, really? You're going to stand for election just like you robbed that? Well, I was, you know, I did rob it, but I was found innocent. That's not the defense that he chose. It would have affected his career, but the law had given him something to stand on, and he stood on it. He would not admit that he'd robbed. He would just say, 12 men declared me innocent. So the question is, what is the devil getting you to admit? Oh, I did sin and therefore I'm still imperfect. If he can get you to disagree with God's legal verdict, then the law of God has no power in your life. Ephesians 2, six to, uh, 4 to 6. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Are you going to claim that? Oh, I might sit there one day. Now you're claiming something that's outside of what your lawyer is telling you to claim. God has given us a place, a position of perfection. Jesus spoke of it in his prayer in John 17, speaking of us in the future, said that they all may be one, 
as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me have I given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved me as thou hast loved has loved them as thou hast loved me perfect in christ if you have the holy spirit dwelling in you you have god's verdict and this is what he witnesses to you that you're perfect that you'll sit together in heavenly places in christ jesus that you're a suitable dwelling place for the most high god now the devil will try and bring other facts to your attention now you don't listen to a politician who says read my lips no new taxes or maybe the one that says a vote for me is a vote for change were there new taxes there were did things change i didn't see if anything changed why listen to the devil who tells you that you're still a sinner that you're less than perfect rest in god's legal system say only what the lawyer god gave you tells you to say and that's the end of the bible study and i hope that it's a blessing to you and live the life that God has given you to live.